Well, good morning, everybody. Great response. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether you're here or online. Um, we're going to get started with worship, so go ahead and stand up.
I want you to think about what you just sang about, the overwhelming, reckless love of God. I, I want to remind you of a principle this morning, is that God loves you no matter what. If you've come into this room and you're facing a trial or a situation or a relationship that isn't going well, God still loves you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never taken that step, God still loves you. And today I want to encourage you with that. Some of you may be here this, this morning and just sensing, man, I, I just feel a heaviness today. I, I have a need, again, maybe a relationship and something you're you're struggling with this morning and I just want to encourage you as is our habit just to take a seat we just love to pray over each other as we say we're in this together and so if you have a need today and you want to take a seat you're more than welcome to do that as we enter into prayer and there may be a few people that come around you and lay hands on you father we thank you for the gift that we have this morning and reminding ourselves Lord that there's nothing that we can do there's no sin that we can be involved in. There's nothing, God, that can separate us from your love. And so today, God, we come before you and we pray on behalf of our brothers and sisters who are in the room today or maybe watching online or just in a place where they're struggling or they're finding a sense of just not feeling the love that you so freely want to give to us. And God, I pray for my friends specifically who are in that place. You know what their needs are this morning. You know the things that they're facing today, and we just pray that your presence would be so close to them. God, we pray again as we do each week for other churches in the area. We know we're not in this thing alone. And so, Lord, we lift up the Church of the Nazarene and just ask that you would go before them and bless their ministry and just give them abundant, abundant blessings. And then, Father, we pray for the McFredericks this morning who are in the Czech Republic as we think globally and understand, God, that you're at work across our world. We pray for this uh, meeting that they have coming up, that you'll just bless that and go before them also. And then, God, this morning we pray for the rest of our time together today as Pete talks about this idea of love. God, the reality is for many of us, we have a, 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 a twisted sense of what love looks like. But God, we know that you are so steadfast, so committed to us, that you love us beyond compare. You love us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me and everyone in this room and, is, and who is listening today. And for that, Lord, we just simply say thank you. Thank you for the blessing of being a child of yours and being loved by a God that loves beyond compare. We lift all of this up in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen and amen. You may be seated if you are here in Spring Lake. If you're watching us online, welcome. A warm welcome to those of you, again, who are guests with us today. So good to have you. We hope that you've already sensed the Lord in a very meaningful way. Again, if you're watching online and you're watching us for the first time, we're just really happy that you're here. So welcome. And we'd love to get connected to you. If you have a moment, if you wouldn't mind scanning that QR code that you'll find in the seat back in front of you. Again, if you're online, you can find this on our webpage at allshores.org. But that QR code will take you to our connection card. We'd love to know that you're here, get a little bit of information from you, tell you a little bit about who we are. We'd be grateful if you'd take time to do that. Another great way to get connected is through groups. Those are coming up. The fall is coming. Some of us realize school's starting Summer's wrapping up, there's this collective sigh, but one of the exciting things that's happening in the next few weeks is our fall groups will launch. We want all of us to be involved in that. If you have interest or you're starting a group, we just wanna remind you to register that group at allshores.org. Groups will begin September 12th. And again, just a great place to get involved. Also, this is the time in our service when we remind ourselves of our offering. And so I just want to encourage you to consider, again, continue your faithfulness in this area. You can give in the box and the foyer on your way out if you came today to prepare to do that, or you can do that at allshores.org. I, I was reminded earlier today as I thought about this, one of the scriptures that challenged me early on in my faith was to test the Lord and see if he's good. And I remember as a new believer, I started in this particular area of tithing and saying, Lord, I, I don't know about this but I'm gonna test you in this. And man, I can tell you, having been in this process of giving back to the Lord through the many years that I've been alive, God has blessed and has provided in so many ways. And so if that's a place that you're just wondering, hey, I wanna, I wanna test the Lord out and see 
what he might do if it's a practice that you're not currently involved in. We just encourage you to do that. And again, you can give at allshores.org or in the foyer as you leave today. Well, we have a really exciting event. Pete will talk about it in a few moments also, but the Journey event is coming up in just a few weeks. We want to tell you a bit about that. And also, we celebrated baptisms last Sunday night. We had such a great time at the lake. You'll get a chance to kind of see a recap of that. So take a look at the screens and check it out. Hey, church, we are so excited for our current series, Finding Our Place in God's Family. We're going to have a major outplay of this series be a one-night journey event Tuesday, August 30th from 6 to 8 at every campus. We'll have child care available. We'll have snacks available. And we'll be walking people through the journey. The journey is for people who maybe feel disconnected or maybe you don't feel like you've plugged in. Maybe, maybe you're new. We would love to help you find your place at All Shores. And we're gonna be walking people through steps one and two of the journey. Step one is all about our mission, our vision, our values, both where we've been as a church and where we're going in the future. Step two is all about your personality and your spiritual gifts assessment, that God has given you a unique design. We wanna help you discover that. So if that's you, if you're interested, we would love to get you pre-registered for this event at your campus. All you have to do is go to allshores.org slash the journey and register today. Well, I want to welcome those joining us online, those of you here in our Spring Lake campus as well. We're in the third week of a series we've titled Finding Our Place in God's Family, and we'll return to that in just a moment. I want to invite you, before we open the scriptures together, to simply pray that we believe it's not about information or persuasion, but we really believe God wants to reveal himself, that it's about his revelation. So whether you're with us, and you have doubts, questions, skepticism, disbelief, bring that to God. I don't know where you are. I don't know what I think. If you would say you're following Jesus, if you're somewhere in that journey, just be honest. This is where I am. God, show yourself. Speak to me. Lead me. You pray in the quiet, and then I will pray for us together. God, I am so grateful that you run after us, that you know us, each one of us, wherever we are, whatever our circumstance. I thank you that speaking is not up to me or even convincing, but it's about whether and how you reveal yourself. So Lord, I ask that anything that I have to say that's not from you, I do ask it will fall to the ground and it will be forgotten. I am asking that whatever is from you, God, you'd reveal yourself. That maybe there'd be peace experienced today that there hasn't been. There'd be comfort experienced. There'd be love. There'd be presence. There'd be a drawing, a calling. Just you saying, I'm here. There'd be a softening 
where we can kind of crust over. There'd be even a kindness where we need conviction. But I simply ask that the words I speak and the way we respond in our actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So I want you to think back in your growing up years. Think back to perhaps if you grew up in any kind of religious environment, in any kind of church family, were there prayers that were spoken in your home at all in any way? Whether they were planned, whether they meant to be passionate, or whether they were recited. And if not, don't feel left out because there's a huge smattering of that. When I was growing up, we had a prayer we did before dinner, before any meal actually, as long as my mom called us to that because the rest of us might just start digging in. And it was very simply this, God is great and God is good. And we thank you for this food. By your hand we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. That could go much faster depending on the meal as well. And if for some reason we missed out and forgot, there was a catch just in case. God is good. God is great. Thank you for the food we ate. Boom, toasted. Got what we needed, huh? I'm not sure how much it meant to me, but we prayed it. And when I think of my own growing up years, I was taught to pray, but my prayers tended to be for things I thought God should help me with. Anybody been in that place? I won't recall for you some of the amazing prayers that I hope never to recite again. Or even the other side of prayers where something isn't going well and you're more than happy to go to the Psalms that God would dash people against rocks and crush their skulls. I had some of those that went along the way too. But it's interesting to consider how, why, what we pray. I was reviewing a book I had read some months ago called 50 Dangerous Prayers, and they are incredibly compelling. I'm not wanting to dismiss that nature of them, but what was interesting was each one of the prayers, or almost all of them, were prayers given by some follower of Jesus, and they were prayers of desperation and wonderful, but they were prayers for themselves, which is mostly how we pray, isn't it? So today, in the middle of this series, we're talking about finding our place in God's family. We've been looking at a letter a man named Paul writes to the church, to the larger church, and we'll come back to all of that. But what I want to tell you before we get into this section is that what Paul does in this section is he writes out his prayer for the people. It's a prayer for other people. It's not a prayer for himself. And Though it may sound obvious, I don't know how often we pray this way. In fact, Paul is one for me. I've continued to write down these prayers and pray them for you, but I want us to be taken. We often read scripture or even study it together, like what am I supposed to learn? What's the teaching in here? And what I want you to get before we do anything is this is Paul's actual prayer. He's not teaching, he's praying. He's writing out what at the end of the day, what he longs for, for the people that have come to follow Jesus. So we're going to take it as such, and I want us to consider that. Let me take you back to where we were next week, last week in the series. If you weren't here, we've been looking at this new family that Jesus is making called the church. That when he dies and pays for sin, when he rises, he not only frees us from that, but he gives us his very presence, his Holy Spirit, with the intention to create a new family. That's very simply it. And last week we looked at one of the aspects of this new family, this beauty that we're to live and love differently. In other words, Paul gave this example of two groups that were constantly in opposition and said you are going to live and love in a way no one can explain and it will reveal who Jesus is by that fact. Now we finish by saying it's beautiful to expect to do this, but let's be honest, are any of you, let, let me just show of hands, how many of you know people around you that are really difficult to love? Okay, how many of you are a difficult person to love that those around you are raising their hands over? Yeah, me too. So what I want to get at today is the fact that last week while we were given this vision of becoming people that live and love differently, becoming people that Paul says mysteriously by the power of God can actually live differently, that the world will take notice, that heaven itself will see these people that live and love differently. Now Paul is left with, how's that going to happen? And guess where he goes? To praying. Because you and I know we can't just do this on our own, right? 
So we're going to jump into Paul's prayer now for the church and for us in turn. In Ephesians 3, he says it this way, For this reason I kneel before the Father, whom every family in heaven and on earth derive its name. Now I want to explore for just a moment what this means, but before I do it, I want to take you with me back to Turkey in 2015. 2015, during a sabbatical time, I was a part of a study trip to Turkey. In, in Turkey, particularly in the south and western areas, there are a lot of the early churches where Paul literally traveled to help people know who Jesus was and where the, basically this new family just blew up in growth. Amazing things happened. So we, were, we would go from village to village, city to city on these, these dates to study, and we had a, a guide that wanted it to be authentic, so we never got to drive up into the city. He always made us park somewhere away from it and then walk because he just liked to watch us sweat and look sad, I think. But it was to have this authentic experience. So on one of the days between cities, between the sites, he said, let's pull over here. And he had us do just a walk through some hilly areas, which the whole topography is like this. We walked maybe two miles. And he stopped and sat us down. And he asked, why do you think I would have you walk like this? And, of course, we had horrible answers. But he... Uh, he stopped us and he said, Paul had three missionary journeys, three times he traveled around, and then a fourth one when he travels to Rome. Now, it's pretty widely accepted and understood that he walked in those four journeys 10,000 miles. You give that to your eye, out your eye watch and see how that baby goes, huh? So, so this is what hit me as we were doing this. We tend to read scripture and say, now he's here, then he goes there. And we have an economy when it comes to between things. In fact, let's agree, we're a people not of journey but of destination often. Get me through this thing. We can't even stand when it takes time to order something and wait. The, the journey itself is not meant to be, it's where we get. Paul walked 10,000 miles. This is what I am convinced of. Paul, in his writings, in case you don't know, regularly says... Things like pray continually. Seek God continually. And this is what I'm convinced of. Paul embraced these walks and journeys as the very posture of praying for us all along the way. That, that like, it, it breaks me and it inspires me. It means Paul didn't just go to a city. And let, let's be honest. If we have something we're praying for, you're like me, maybe I'll even write it. Maybe I'll read it once. Paul travailed and walked the same way, and I felt this when we were walking through Turkey, like the same way you just walk and take steps and you aren't trying to get, you're just enjoying the journey is I think he interceded for us again and again and again. And so what we're going to read today is not, hey, Paul wrote a prayer set down, you know, what should I tell him I prayed? Well, Here's something that you know theologically. I think, already, I think Paul took the passion of what he'd been praying through every city. And make no mistake, when he writes this, we most likely think he's in Rome, which means he's done all the trips. Paul has seen all the wild stuff happen. And he's writing not just out of what has been, but what he's seen and what God has done. So these aren't theological, oh, I'm supposed to think this way. This is, hey, by the way, I saw this. This is true, man. So when he writes... I kneel before the Father, which, by the way, in Jewish culture, most often you stood, but kneeling is a posture of it, which means I see the awe and the magnitude of who he is. And so when I pray, I'm on my knees because I know what he can do, and I know who he is. Oh, man, I'm going on my knees. Not, oh, no, but, oh, yes. And then he says, he's the father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. In other words, God is the one who created all the heavens, all the earth, all the beings, all of us. God is over all, in all, and through all. He's praying to the universality of who God the Father is. Now, on one hand, I hope it will somewhere along the way inspire us to say, maybe I can just live more in the journey, not trying to get to a destination. Maybe in my car, instead of the five podcasts I have to hear and the three news sources I'm going to hear that are going to say the same things over and over again to make me angry, that was a side note, no extra charge, I'll turn it off. 
And I'll actually let this journey be a place I start to talk to God for other people. I'll tell you as your pastor, I'm one of them, I pray for you these things. But I want to tell you, you're my brother and sister and I want you to pray them for us too. Now that's not where we're ending today, that's just a beginning. What I want us to consider, because we're going to read what Paul prays, we're going to consider the fact that Paul really believes this happens and can. We're also going to consider, and this is the question we're going to answer, if Paul is praying this for us, what would it look like for me to pursue this? In other words, what's my part? Not simply, I'm going to pray and ask God to move, but what's it mean for me to discover and move towards the very things Paul is inviting us to? And let's keep in mind, to become this group of people that can live and love differently, Paul is about to pray what needs to happen so we can treat each other and love each other in amazing new ways. Okay? We're going to get into the prayer now after he gives an introduction to it. Paul begins to pray. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, a lot of words here, but they're profound, powerful and profound words. I, I want to highlight a few things for us, maybe to encourage and inspire, and then have us think and consider this. So he says, out of his glorious riches. Now, I don't need to kind of parse out all of that, but I want us to consider, we often, I think, of God that we do collectively think God has limitations to what he's going to give out. In other words, there's a limit to his riches. Or even worse, we think of riches as material, tangible riches, and we think wealth and comfort are what Paul means here. Which, in case you're not clear, Jesus says those kind of things are small, and what God and his riches bring are better. I just want you to understand what Paul saw, and Paul went through city after city and watched Jesus revealed, place after place, naturally and supernaturally. He saw people healed. He saw people restored. He saw people treat each other differently in ways that didn't make sense. Natural and supernatural, big and small. He knew there's no end to the riches of God. That means Paul's praying for us to get what God wants for us. Every one of us. By the way, when he says you, he's not saying you individually. He's saying you, the church. In other words, every one of you, every one of you can have his spirit, the power of his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. People always ask, well, why do we ask Jesus into our heart? It's often this picture, which is that when Jesus rose, he didn't just forgive us through his death and resurrection. He gives us his very presence, and that is by the power of his spirit into the very essence of who we are. Our hearts mean the inside part of us. So in other words, Paul's praying, every person who wants to be part of this family and wants to know Jesus, not only are you forgiven, you get the very presence of Jesus inside of you. Now, I know I say this regularly, and it's because you just are not listening or believing me. And I don't either sometimes. If in your mind you start giving the answers, oh, that's just not reasonable, it doesn't need to be reasonable. It's amazing. And guess what? You think, well, there's got to be favors. I mean, I have, I've seen that when there's no way God's going to enter that zone. Yes, he is, and we'll get to that in a minute. If you think to yourself, I couldn't have this or I'm not worthy, that is a lie. Last Sunday night, we baptized 10 people. And I'm always very moved at baptism. And this time, I got to be a little more a part of things I don't always get to. And I don't know that I'll be able to remember every single one. But I was taken by the power of God in each life. I watched... Uh, a seasoned elder in our church baptized his son. I listened to his son say, I shouldn't have waited this long. And we both laughed and said, it's just the right time. And then we told him we were going to hold him down extra just for that because it was fun. But I know it was real to him. And then I watched this young man baptize his son with the grandfather with them. And that was powerful. It wasn't a religious ritual. It was Three generations discovering the presence of Christ in them. Stood there while a young woman who just is graduating from high school just did said, I want to seal this before I go to school to a new environment with lots of new demands. I want to be really clear that, man, Christ lives in me. We watched and celebrated her. I watched a young father baptize his 
young daughter saying, I want this for you at an early age. Don't believe some lie you can't have this as a kid. God has it for you now. I watched a young dad in a new family say, man, I want to see what's happening even in my wife's life, and I want this too, and a change of trajectory. I watched a couple in a later season of life and a newer marriage and a rebirth in their own lives get baptized together going, we are finding God in new ways. I've watched several women of different ages and then even a child of one of those as it is influenced into the family and then a friend of the child get baptized and go, oh my goodness, this is the best virus of all time. And I thought, you don't think God wants to be in your life? He deeply does. And all Paul's praying is, man, believe it and take it. Ask him for it. I'm praying that you'd know that Christ wants to dwell in the middle of your life. In other words, that's where it begins. Doing something amazing that only God can do. He continues in the prayer to give more to it. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people. By the way, not power together with some of the ones that really try, some of the ones that live morally, some of the ones that seem to do the right things, but with all of the Lord's holy people. God is not looking for moralistic people. He's looking for surrendered people. We don't earn. We receive. And we go from there to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This is not a momentary prayer. It's an ongoing prayer for you and me. And, and I want to be very clear on where this begins. You see, we often in the church and we often in our own lives, when we want God to give us power. In fact, it talks about power here. And we almost can get this love for power. God, make things better for me. Give me strength. Let me do. And this is not a love of power. This is the power of love. Everything in the Christian life goes back to knowing God's love, receiving it, and giving it to others. It is the very power of his love that overwhelms, that informs, that we build on. In fact, that's why Paul uses two words together. He says rooted, rooted like you would have with some kind of growth, and established, what could also mean built. These are foundational words, meaning you're rooted, you're bought in, and your building is beginning to be established in love. This is at the root of everything we have. You want to know how we live and love people differently? Because we are loved and received differently from the very presence and love of Christ in us that we continue to discover what it means. There is no scholar that can completely explain the height, breadth, depth, and width, this four-phrase statement. And you know why I don't think we can? Anybody can? Because it's part of the mystery of God we keep discovering. But we have images of it. In Job, as these guys are interacting over who God is, one of them says very simply, hey, can you really see the heights of who he is, the heights of heaven? Can you see the depths, it says, of Sheol, of hell itself? Can you see the breadth of the land or the breadth of the sea? In other words, God is so much greater than anything we could know. Who can fathom it all? Consider it this way. Think of the height of God's love. We believe that God is holy, which means completely perfect and completely awe and amazing to us. What we see, we cannot fathom. Do you know what happens when we have any taste of the height of who he is? You and I fall on our faces because we're taken by his holiness, by his perfection, by his majesty. If we think God is less than, we haven't seen. And Paul's inviting us to see the height of who he is. The same God in the height of this majesty reaches down into the depth of the darkest things in our lives and destructiveness of who we are. In the beauty of holiness, somehow he can reach to the depth of darkness. I'm sorry, if that's not mind-blowing, you're either not awake or you've been having something else this morning and your mind's not working and I'm not going to talk about that yet. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? Perfect, amazing holiness, unbelievable love to go into this depth. And then imagine the, the breadth. Farther than the land or the sea, God reaches. What that means is nothing that's occurred in us, to us, from us to others is beyond his reach. 
Some of us sit here today in broken relationships. It is not beyond his reach. Some of us sit here betrayed, not beyond his reach. Some of us sit here in failure, not beyond his reach. Some of us sit here in isolation, not beyond his reach. Some of us sit in here thinking, I've never become who I thought I should be. I'm a constant disappointment, not beyond his reach. See, he doesn't reach and go, now you've achieved, I'll finally be pleased with you. He reaches and goes in the darkest place and in the most holiness of who I am. I love you. I don't love you and just go, no big deal. I love you and go, it's such a big deal. I'm going to deal with your mess through my death so you know how deeply I love you. And Paul's prayer is just, we'll grow in it. I had um, a powerful experience in recent weeks. I have a friend, we, we had a fracture between several people, kind of a whole group of people, and one individual who was fractured as a result. And one of my friends who I think more deeply understands the love of Christ said, hey, I'd love you to just get together with this person. And I got to enter in, and in the midst of talking, I saw, I just saw more of who they were from the heart of God and saw my own brokenness in it. And then invited another friend into it. And all of a sudden, there's four people beginning to rebuild relationship where it's broken. Not because anybody even made anything right. Just because we keep discovering the love of Christ and wanting to know more. Because a friend discovered it and it impacted me and I'm trying to help others. And I think it's something beautiful is happening. And I think that's what God calls us to. And, and what I want to be clear on about this is it's not a... God instantaneously revealed this to them. This is our vocation, in case you don't know. This is what we get to do is discover more and more how much God loves. And I hope as you get older, you're seeing this. Let me illustrate it this way. I am sure many of you, given where we live, how many of us go out once in a while and just watch a sunset? Or maybe a lot of times you watch. Have you ever seen one sunset the same as another? No. Can you fully grasp the magnitude of what it is or who God is from a sunset? No. But do you become more aware of who God is when you watch them? Have you ever stood out in a storm? Not meaning you should go stand out in storms, but somewhere watch from a safe posture. Just watch a lightning storm come up on the lake. And go, oh my goodness, I cannot fully grasp who God is. Do you realize that when we see things like that, every time something expands in how we see God, or it can at least, that is the very same thing Paul's praying for us to understand about who Jesus is. Just like you watch a sunset, why don't you start watching who Jesus is and discover how much more there is for you to know. One, one of my biggest heartaches... And I, I'm a student of asking people, because one of the ways we explore who Jesus is, probably one of the most significant, is to read Scripture. So I'll ask people, what's, how's it going? What's it like for you to read Scripture? Almost always people look down and they feel embarrassed. And they always tell me the same thing. I could do more. You know, I'm seeing things. And then even if they get something, if I ask what it's like to read, it's oftentimes, yeah, I'm not doing well at this. God wants me to do better. And it's almost couched in they read the Bible and what they hear from God is, man, I am really disappointed with you. Step it up a little more. Maybe I won't be so disappointed. Do you think that's the message of Scripture? Do you think that's the message of the living God? It's not. Rooted. It's established in love. God goes, you can show me everything about you. There's a height and there's a depth and there's a breadth of my love. And it doesn't mean he ignores, it means he loves you in the midst of that we read to know him, not read to feel like we're not measuring up. And his call to be transformed is a call of kindness, not a call of disapproval. I mean, I want to invite us to move beyond just kind of hoping or thinking. Paul calls him to a culmination this way. He says, know that this love... It surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. <laughs> Paul 
Paul is saying somehow the more we understand love and the more we know how we're loved, it goes beyond our thinking. In other words, you cannot fully comprehend, just like you can't fully comprehend the beauty of a sunset, the power of a storm, the magnitude of the things God does in and around us, you will not fully grasp the height and depth and breadth and width of his love. But man, you get to spend your life building more and more understanding. Come on. You and me get to do this? Do you think we can learn to love and live differently with each other? Oh, yeah. Without it, do you think we can? Nope. Nope. Our part is to actually discover this. Our part is to grow in knowing who God is and how he loves us. And it must translate then to how we live and love others. It's really simply the measure of Christian maturity is love. If we don't love well, we're not mature in him. And it probably means we just don't know his love well. Because you can't give what you don't have, can you? I love Paul's prayer. He's praying this for us. You want to know our part? We pursue him. We pursue Jesus. We pursue him to discover more of his love. That, that's our invitation. This fall, uh, we'll be doing a series looking at what it means to specifically how we read scripture and can know him more. It's the biggest thing you asked for of your questions you asked us. And my invitation is to actually even begin now. For some of you, you know what, just start in one of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And when you're reading, instead of trying to figure it all out, just say, God, show me who you are and how you love. Let's just start there. Let's just start discovering it together. We have a simple phrase for this. We call it abiding in him, meaning being and remaining in God's presence. That's what we're wanting to learn to do. Paul prays it, we live it. We say, how do I pursue God? Not how do I just pray and hope it comes, but how do I get to know who he is? And we say, man, in scripture, first place we learn. Biggest place we learn. Let me just give you a couple simple applications to begin with this. One is, like I said, to pursue Jesus. We want you to begin to pursue this on your own. If your hope is everyone else will do it for you or I'll do it on a Sunday or one of the other teachers will do it alone, you're missing out on so much more that God has for you. We say it's alone and we say it's together. In other words, you're called to be in community. We talked last week about this idea that we live and love differently. You're not meant to be islands where you individually live out your faith. I'll do it when it works for me, how it works for me. I'll only do it in ways that help me. That's kind of it's me and Jesus. You miss us and Jesus. And in case you don't know, it's in community. We're changed, not just that we help others. I have two groups of, uh, of three guys that I'm a part of discipling right now. And their task at the end is to then go and do it. It's reproducible. It's not I'm not doing it because I'm a pastor. I'm doing it because I'm a Christian. And I want to disciple and I want them to disciple. But here's what I find. I sit down. And it's not I'm the teacher and they're the students. I sit down and I'm a brother. And my brothers impact me. We read the scripture and they have insights and perspectives. The Holy Spirit helps them to discern. And we wrestle and listen together. And their faith charges my faith. And my faith charges theirs. And it works around. Because guess what? We're meant to be in community to learn to know his love. The same way my friend came to me outside of a group and just said, let's go have a conversation where there's brokenness. Because that's how we live and love together. And then I don't want to make a mistake about this. You, you ask about Sundays. Sunday is a place. Our intention, the goal of our instruction is love. That is, by the way, what Paul says over and over again. Jesus says the big commandments, love God, love your neighbor. Our goal is always love. And it's not a soft love that means we ignore. It's a love that's so deep that it can enter into the most painful, dark places because God loves us in those two, not that we ignore them. But we want you here. I'm always, I have heartache when I know, even a series like this, you make one of these weeks, you miss all that builds on it and what we have together when we grow in it all the way. So I'm inviting you not just to read alone, not just to have a group, but be here on Sundays. I'm inviting you, by the way, to a pretty heavy commitment. But you know what? The church wasn't meant to be a club that works with all your other stuff. Church is the new family. 
The church is the hope that Jesus infuses into the world, his very presence into us to change the world by how we live and love differently. The more we discover his love, the more we can actually give it to people. You will not do that with your busy calendar and all the things you're filling your life with. You never will. I'm not going to lie to you. It's just not going to happen. My invitation is to start going after it instead of waiting or thinking it will come some other way. And then a very simple application. We've been telling you about this for weeks. We have this process we call the journey. And it's a way really to fully engage in the life and the family of the church. And so we're finding a way we want to engage this more deeply on Tuesday, August 30th. At each campus from 6 to 8, we'll go through two of the four steps of that. We have child care on that evening for anybody who needs it. And then we have snacks because apparently none of us can manage a few hours without food, which I am one of those. But, uh, And then I just want to, before I pray for us, I want to let you know this. You may not believe it's true that God loves that much. And I'd say climb on my back and climb on the backs of others who do. Now, not physically because I've got some neck issues. But I, I have enough faith to believe he does. And I've watched it again and again and again and again. And by the way, I love every time I get to watch it again because it just gets stronger for me. Oh, oh, you don't think you're loved? You are so wrong. Come on. I want you to join us in growing in this. And for any of you who are here that would say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, this is my invitation. I'm telling you, there's a God who made everything. But that God who made everything brought his son here to live, to die on behalf of all the ugliness and mess of all of us. And not just to forgive us, but to rise and give us his very presence we can have. I don't know what else you got going, but it's not as good as that. Join us. Let me pray for us together. Lord, I, uh, I asked at the beginning that you'd move. So I pray for people right now amongst us, online, watching later. I pray they have a really clear sense of your moving. God, I pray if they sense peace, they'd know that's you. If they sense your love and affection, they'd say that's him. If they sense your conviction, but a loving conviction, says, I love you, don't hide from this. They know that's you. I pray where our hearts have become hard, you'd turn hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. That all this mess we're in and so much hatred and vitriol would become, we'd be kind of a wax over us of your love that would, they would become impenetrable to us. And you just begin to let it fall off, the scales off, that we would live and love differently because we're loved differently. God, I pray for any among us who want to respond to you. You know, whether it's their own words or mine, Lord, let them simply say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. Let them receive it. I receive it, Lord Jesus. And then, Lord, with them, we ask your Holy Spirit to fill them. And, God, I pray for all of us at any stage of following or pursuing that you would root us and establish us in your love. Let us know how you pursue us that we would pursue in response knowing you. Pray this in your power and your name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We try to give a little space at the end of the service after we've kind of opened the scriptures and worship. And so we're going to have a song that we sing. Stephen will lead us in part of that. And then we'll celebrate communion in the midst of it. Both as we worship, we think God can bring revelation. And as we celebrate communion, which is the very act of his grace, we think he can speak and lead you. And so both as a participant as you sing, but as a receiver of asking God speak to me even as we worship, maybe a word will grab you, maybe something will grab your attention, but be in a posture of receiving even as you process and ask God to speak as we worship. Let's sing together. Time and time again, you have proven you do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my 
a seat. I wasn't trying to squelch your cheers. Those were good. Uh, we, hopefully you got a cup when you came in, which is the communion elements, the bread and the drink. We want you to know that communion is open to any who want to respond. We don't have stipulations here. We want you to know if you didn't get one, we do this every week because we find that communion itself is the centering act of the church. It has been for all of our history. Because it's a tactile, physical way. It's a sacred way that we experience and rediscover the grace of Jesus. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body given for you. He said, from the heights and the glory of who I am, I have gone to the depths of your despair and need and even limited my glory so I could walk through the things you can't to give you forgiveness because I love you that much. When we receive, we don't just receive it alone, we receive it together because we are loved, not just I am loved. Let's take of the bread. In the same way, that same night before he was betrayed, he took the cup, said this is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Because without bloodshed, there's no forgiveness. Jesus' very death, his bloodshed is what gives us forgiveness, his sacrifice. And when we drink of it, we're reminded how far his arms reach to the farthest of our sin, the farthest of our messes, and the farthest of anyone we've known at any time and anywhere his love reaches. So we taste it as a sweet drink, but we taste it as a drink we want to help others discover as well, to live and love differently as we received it. Let's take of the cup. Lord, I ask this would not just be a religious routine, but you uniquely would impart mystically your grace to us as we need you. So God, as we seal this time in worship, help us not just to sing of your faith, but to actually put it there. Help us not just to sing of your promises, but to discover them and be a very audience to our own words that your spirit in us, your presence in us would awaken us more deeply to your love. Let's stand together and conclude our time sealing it in worship. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus. 
finishes this prayer with what's called a doxology, a blessing. And uh, I want to just give you that blessing as we finish our time. So if you want to set your hands out in a sense of receiving. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.